Thanks for joining us for another God-inspired message from C3 Church Monash. Connect with us online at c3monash.org.au and we hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you, Tim. What a wonderful church we have. And um, yes, it's good. Well, thank you, team. That was wonderful. Can we thank our worship team? Amazing, as always, and um, appreciate you. It's beautiful. And, uh, well, good. We, we are actually starting a new series. They're not linked with the announcement around Vision Builders. We are going to be talking about walking through pain. Speaking of giving, walking through pain. No, um, we are going to do this. But actually what we're, we're centering around is, is this idea of, of looking at the Psalms and our internal world, the Psalms and our souls. We did a series on this last year and we talked about how the Psalms take us through a life of worship. Um, but the Psalms can take us through lots of different seasons in life because they are one of the books, if, of all the books I think one of the most, where, where we really get to articulate where we are at with God and what we want to say and pray and sing to Him. And so it captures all different stages of life. And one stage of life that unfortunately we are all going to be have to walk through, and therefore how we walk through these seasons is really important, is walking through pain. It's a great morning. <laughs> but we, we are. We want, we want to take you through the next couple of weeks of how we as a community can walk through painful moments together. And still represent God and his heart and his love for us and for one another in that season. Pain is a very normal uh, part of life. And at times I believe that the unfortunate side of, of, of what we can express within the charismatic space of our expression of God and, and as a church is sometimes we can get a, a slight kind of bend in our theology that gets this kind of thinking that if I'm walking through pain, then I must be doing something wrong. That maybe I didn't have enough faith. Or, or maybe I've done something wrong. And sometimes we can, we can put that filter on other people. I wonder what they did to walk through that. Or if you just had more faith, you'd be okay. But that's not true. I'm sorry, it's just not. God is a God who will journey through us in every season. And even in the midst of pain and suffering, He is still at work in us and through us. You going to come? He wants to speak this morning. It's awesome. Who loves Ruth and her wonderful children? We love you. It's awesome. Multi-generational church. It's good. And so what we want to do is then, if, if pain is more of a reality than we think it is, then, then what do we do with it? How do we bring it to God? How do we journey through it as a community? And I believe that, that the Psalms are such a wonderful book because as prayers and hymns, they help us again encounter where we are, what's going on in our lives when we're going through pain and suffering, and what can we do? Do we bottle it down and just play the faith card and everything's good? Or, or do we get real with what God wants to do and, and let Him disciple us? Let Him transform us and take us forward. So, how can we walk through seasons of pain and suffering as a Christian? 
Here's my one big thought. The best way to walk through seasons of pain is to come closer to God, who has unlimited empathy, comfort, hope and love, and put all your trust in Him. The way, as Christians, we can walk through seasons of immense pain, grief, suffering, and loss is not to go away from God, no, to come closer to Him who has all grace, comfort, empathy, hope, and love, and then put all your trust, put it all on Him. Don't put everything on red. Put it all on Him. Trusting Him. Now, the Psalms are particularly helpful in this and a powerful guide for walking us through seasons of life. For they are prayers that lead us closer to Him. The Psalms, uh, Calvin, not Calvin in our church, John Calvin, he said this, that the Psalms are a mirror to our souls. They really do capture where we are at in our humanity. They are particularly personal. And although they come and meet the author and the writer in a historical context, they are a book that we can readily and quickly appropriate because all of us walk through similar seasons of pain and suffering. And so we can resonate with what is going on for David when he's talking through the areas. Okay, not with everything. We haven't yet. My children haven't tried to usurp the throne and kill me, but I can relate to most of what David has been through. They come to us in a way that we can find them as useful prayers to similar moments in life. And they serve us both as a community of people and as our, in our own private devotion. They reveal God's heart to provide us with comfort and support through the challenges of this life. They reveal, particularly in the laments, the full color of our human emotion and experiences. The things that are very much a reality of what it is to be human. And they encourage you to feel and express those feelings, particularly the laments. They encourage you because they themselves express anger. And as Christians marked by love, sometimes we don't know what to do with our feelings. Sometimes we're not sure how we're meant to feel or if it's okay to feel angry. And we forget that the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin, not don't be angry. In fact, there are prayers in here that are filled with vindication and justice. Lord, get them. If you've never prayed a Lord, get them prayer, you haven't prayed. You haven't felt the depth of anger and frustration with a situation. What the Lord chooses to do with that is the important thing. What we need to do as Christians is not be the answer to our own prayers and go and get them because that is sinning in our anger, but rather in our anger, vent all of our frustration. Because if you don't, you are being dishonest to God and to you and how you're feeling. And one of the worst things you can do is repress your emotions, because trust me, they will come out anyway. You are better to come before God, fall on your knees and cry out and say, God, I'm depressed. God, I'm angry. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm lost. Praying honest prayers help us 
realize where we are, but also help us where, realize where we are in relation to God. And so the beautiful things of the Psalms is that they help us to identify where we are internally, what's going on in us, where are we in relationship with God, but then they become a ministry to our souls because they lead us to bringing us back to Him. Most of the laments take us on this journey where it begins with a cry out to God, a recognition of the pain and suffering that the author is in, but then ultimately they come back to a place of putting their hope and trust in Him. And that's what we want to do because the best way for us to walk through seasons of pain is to come closer to God who has unlimited empathy, comfort, hope and love and put to all our trust in Him. We want to come to Him in our moments of pain, come close to Him and trust Him. Now, when my kids were little and they would hurt themselves... It was normal for them to respond in a way that let me know they were hurting. There would be much screaming and wailing and gnashing of teeth. There's a lot of noise. And it would be inappropriate for me to come as a parent and say, what's wrong with you? Stop that. Calm down. You'll be okay. It doesn't seem right as a parent, does it? But we do this to one another. We do this to ourselves. But it is totally normal when we hit moments of pain for us to experience pain and have to vocalize that experience and have to be, hey buddy, be in the reality of that pain. It's really important that we don't rush this moment. Now, normally after I had come to comfort and they start to settle, at times, it was, it was also quite common that they would then begin to question why the pain occurred. Why did this happen? And sometimes it would be, why did you let this happen? And I would remind them that I didn't. It was their mother. She was pushing them way too hard on the swings. I am far more responsible. <laughs> but we have questions like this, Why? People think about this. Theologians think about this often. Why? If God is so good, why does pain and suffering happen in this world? And I encourage you not just to sit on that question and go, just push it aside. No, really do some digging into that space. There are some wonderful resources in the Scriptures themselves. A really great book I can recommend you is The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis. That's The Problem of Pain by C.S. Lewis of actually doing the journey of understanding what theologians call theodicy, where how, how a good God can exist in an imperfect, evil world. Now, we as believers, we struggle with this. Why is this happening? Why is this happening? It is a reality that we will face. For God to remove us from pain would be like a parent removing a child from any situation in which pain would occur. To remove us from pain would actually to be remove us from this life itself. We are not in a perfect world, but one God is and one day will fully make right. But until then, we are in a partnership with God in his redemption story. So until he returns and put all things right, pain, sickness, loss, death, and the suffering these moments inflict will be a part of our journey. 
For in the words of our Lord Jesus in John 16, 33, it says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. What he's saying is you will have brokenness in this world, but have courage. I'm conquering that brokenness. And he was saying that to the disciples before he went to the cross. And that was a promise that would remain after his resurrection. Because in his resurrection, he launched a new creation. In sense, he launched the recreation of the broken creation. But we are still in this process. We're still on the journey. Now, for me to sit my children down in the moment of pain to explain why they were in pain to help them answer that question, is not really going to help resolve the issue at hand. In the moment of pain, my children don't really know, need to know why they're in pain. What they need to know and feel is the love and comfort and the embrace of a loving father pulling them in as they journey through that, giving them unconditional love, unconditional grace, unconditional mercy, and encouragement to rise again and keep walking. And that's what God wants to do for us in our everyday. And this is how the Psalms can help us in this every moment. They articulate the love and closeness of God to us in the moments of great pain. And so before we finish here today, I thought I'd take us uh, through a Psalm, if that's okay, because we are in the Psalms in our souls. And a psalm that I think really articulates this love and closeness for God. And it's going to be Psalm 23, Mr. Miles, for you today. Um, psalm 23. But why don't you flip in your phone or your Bible until you get there. But uh, Psalm 23 is one of my favorite psalms. It's a beautiful psalm that, that really does take us through these moments. And I'll read it over us as well. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing that I lack. This is a pastoral term. This is, but ultimately, this, this, this term means this, this great shepherd that will come alongside the sheep and guide the sheep along. And the Lord is a good and great shepherd. In, in the book of John, Jesus called himself in John 10, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. And my sheep follow me. He is the good shepherd. He's taking all of us on a journey into the reality of his goodness all the time. With Jesus as our shepherd, we lack nothing. Now, the reality is that many of us It's awesome, buddy. It is a big day. I'm almost done, man. I promise. The reality is that you will experience loss. So for us to quickly say, it's all good, you've got Jesus, you've got everything, is to miss the point of this psalm. He's the good shepherd, and in him is everything you need. But it does not mean that you won't experience loss. What it means is that you won't get lost in that loss. 
when Paul is talking to the Thessalonian church, they had an over-realized reality that Jesus was literally coming back tomorrow. That's what they thought. And because that's what Paul had said, Jesus is coming back. So they're like, great, he's coming back. And then their friends started dying. And the Roman culture around them, when your friends died, that was it. It was done. It was finished. So the grief you could imagine was horrendous. The overwhelming sense of loss made them in themselves get lost. And in this psalm, it comes to us and says, the Lord is my shepherd. Even when I'm in loss, I don't lack. Because He is with me. The provision of His presence is all that I need. Verse 2 says, He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. In Jesus, we are invited to be filled consistently with spiritual and emotional nourishment in order to find true rest. When we visualize this scene, often we're in like the sound of music, right? The rolling hills. High on the hills, it's a lonely goat, right? But that's, that's not. Our, our resident Old Testament scholar here, Mrs. Hubert, would tell us that, that the Middle East is very dry. And you find these barren wastelands. But then down in these, these dark valleys, go down to where the water finds its way, there's these oasis, these banks of green pastures and living waters. Jesus is the living water. Whoever is thirsty, come and drink of me. And in your dryness, I don't know how dry you're feeling in your souls or your spirit today, but in Him is all nourishment for your soul and your emotion. In Him is enough to feed on and to fill you again so that you'll be full and find true rest. If you are in a dry place, come and take your fill of Him and find rest in Him. Verse 3, He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for His name's sake. In His presence, you will renew your life. Your soul, your inner life will be re-energized and renewed because His path, His good paths lead us in the right way, which is back to Him. And when you're in grief, you might need to do this 20 times a day. You might need to give yourself permission to slow your life down, actually go through the process of grief properly, the process of pain properly, and come to Him again and let Him renew you. Let Him restore you. You prepare. Oh, sorry, even though, verse 4, when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me doesn't say if we go through the darkest valley. It says even when. Again, it will be a reality to go through the dark valleys of life. I am promised His presence. Jesus said in Matthew 28, I am with you to the very end. I'm with you. We do not fear and we are comforted because He is with us. He is our ever-present help in time of need. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. 
Jesus is the good shepherd and also the great host. This is a switch in the psalm here. He, he's, he ministers his abundant love to us right in the middle of the enemy, right in the middle of surrounded by the stuff. It's not like we get through it and then God meets us. No, right in the midst of your cancer, right in the midst of your pain, right in the midst of the loss of a loved one, right in the midst of whatever you're going through, he has set a table for you. Meaning he wants to come and minister to you. His abundant, overflowing love. Where he will anoint your head. It was a way of cleaning back in this day. But also the, the shepherd would pour oil over the sheep's head to stop any bugs and stuff getting in and impacting their minds. And this is about our thinking. He wants to come and comfort you in your thinking. He meets you like a fountain, causing your cup to overflow. He is the wine of the wedding feast flowing over, the oil of the widow flowing over, the river of living water. He wants to overflow in your life when you are at the lowest end of yourself. You can draw near to Him and overflow with His love. And finally, only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. His goodness, His faithful love is with us. It remains with us. The commentator I was reading in this said, if the shepherd is Jesus walking with us, His faithful love, His commitment to us, and His goodness is like a sheepdog guiding the sheep to come back. I don't have a sheep dog. I have a grizz dog. A grizz dog is not good at herding sheep. A grizz dog is not a good guard dog. He is a great companion dog though. When you meet my grizzy boy, all he wants to do, he's 44 kilos and all of it wants to sit on you. There is something amazing. As I was thinking about this, he was sitting on my feet as I was writing this part of my message and it was profound, this thing hit me again of, of what God's love and commitment to us is like. It's like this grizz dog. I get up and try and go over here, he'll follow. And he'll come and be close. He's sometimes not that good, my grizz dog, but he overflows with goodness. He's just all kinds of good in the sense that he's good for me. And he is faithfully loving. Aren't dogs cool like that? One moment they're in trouble, the next moment they're back, tails wagging. That's like God's love, His commitment to you, His goodness and His faithful love come to you. And when you stray, because the thing with pain, the thing with pain is, is it becomes so real to you, but it doesn't necessarily feel as real to the people around you. Some of you have experienced loss and in the moments, in the initial moments, people are there and they're there caring for you, but the experience is so personal that they can't connect to the same level. So you can feel incredibly isolated. And the problem with that isolation is if you let it, it will keep taking you away. But His goodness and His faithful love will follow you until you're brought back in. For surely 
I will live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Meaning, this is tabernacle language. This isn't literally in the house of God or in church. For the, no, he's talking about the presence of God will be with us all the days of this life and into eternity. But I believe also that we can interpret this in the line of how that we ourselves are a new temple. We ourselves are Christians and therefore it is body language. Meaning, not body language, like meaning the language of the body, the church. So that surely we will be in His presence and in the company of His presence amongst us. So that we can get through anything. And so I would add to my first thought that the best way to walk through this season of pain is to come closer to God who has unlimited empathy, comfort, hope and love and put all your trust in Him and come close to one another to receive tangible, real, experiential love as we care for one another. The Lord is our shepherd. He is leading us closer to Him. And to one another, will we follow Him? Will we come closer to Him? In our pain, we'll be real with it. We'll be honest before God about what's going on. But will we let it draw us closer to Him and to one another today? Why don't you stand? Let me pray for you before we finish here today. got two minutes together. Actually, we've got as long as we want, but curry is good, so we'll keep it to two minutes. And I know that in a room filled with people, at some level, all of you are experiencing pain right now in some way. It might be something that's happened recently. It might be something you're processing that happened 20 years ago. And you have a lot of questions why. And and I I, I encourage you, don't put that question down. Don't ignore that why. Actually do some study. Actually go deeper into God's Word and deeper. But, But before we do that, can I ask you just to put that question aside? And don't ask why. Come to the Father and let Him, let Him fill you with His presence today. If you're open to that, then I encourage you, close your eyes. Put yourself in a physical way of openness. Open your hands to Him. Say, God, the Lord is your shepherd. Let him love you.
I, can I take 30 more seconds of your time? Is that okay? Some of you, right now, God is doing a work in you. I know it. Now, I want you to take one more big step closer to Him. What do you want me? I mean, I want you to physically open your life to Him. I don't, I can't tell you why. I just know that this is what happens. It's when we come closed off to God physically, there is something in us that is almost emotionally closed. But if you will just trust me here and physically open up a little more, I want you just to lift your hands a little higher, stretch a little wider. I, I know you might be going, what are you talking about? You crazy man, you're trying to manipulate this. No, I just know God is open to humility. So some of you just need it. You need it right now. Now, you don't have to. I won't force you. You can leave the same today or you can leave transformed. Just open up. Come Holy Spirit. We come humbly before you, Lord God, and we ask you to minister to us now. We open our hearts, our minds and our souls to you. Let your peace and your presence fall. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you have any prayer needs, email prayer at c3monash.org.au or connect with us online.